Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Understanding that Jesus on the cross paid for every sinner's sin, every sinner's sin that comes to faith in Jesus Christ. Did Jesus die for the sin of those who will die for their own sin and pay their own price? I'll give you the short answer, no. God would not have allowed Jesus to die in vain or suffer the sin of someone who was going to die eternal death because they rejected the gift. How does that happen? How would, they, how would God... God knows everything, right? God transcends time. So God is the present in when right now, eternity future, eternity past, and everywhere in between. So right now, God is at the end. Even though we can't understand that because that hasn't happened yet, it doesn't change the conceptual reality that he is there. And uh, I'm so thankful for that because it is so much broader wider and deeper the love of Christ, the depth of his riches, the unsearchable, matchless grace. It's so profound to me, and I'm so thankful for it. Tonight, the message is titled, The Fruit of the Faithful. Love this psalm. It's uh, Psalm chapter 128. If you have your Bibles tonight, we're going to look at uh, all six verses of it. They have it titled in my Bible, it says, Blessings for Those Who Fear God. And, you know, I've we talk a lot about the fear of God. I know in our culture right now, you'll hear people say, well, you shouldn't fear, you know, uh, a child shouldn't fear their parents, uh, which I disagree with. They should fear their parents just like you should fear the Lord in a healthy way. There is healthy fear. What is healthy fear? Healthy fear is when the speed limit says 65. You either have to be old enough and have good insurance and have been long enough with an insurance company. You need to have connections if you're going to go in a 65 mile per hour zone and decide that you want to do 90. You don't want to do that if you don't have any connections or maybe you're just plain foolish or ignorant and you would decide to do that because what is it? You don't have any fear. Fear of what? Fear of punishment. Fear of punishment is a great motivator, isn't it? Fear of punishment throughout history has motivated ones to modify behavior for the vast majority of people. Now, you won't go to Thailand right now and decide, well, you might as an American, but you'll find out really quickly that you don't do something in Thailand unless you want to lose some parts of your body or spend an inexorbitant amount of time in a place that is inhospitable to human life, their prison system. Uh, all you have to do is watch uh, Locked Up Abroad to see that the penal institutions around the globe uh, leave much to be desired and actually make the American penal institution system look quite appealing. But you don't go to other countries like that and they have these low crime rates in those countries because there's no fear of punishment. Go to Bahrain, you know, go to the UAE, right, United Arab Emirates, and go over there and steal. Go over, matter of fact, go over there and spit on the sidewalk. Go over there and touch one of the security officers when they're patting you down, as you just saw with the girl who just got sentenced. I don't remember what it was to how long she got. But they don't play around in those countries. But what there is, there's a fear of, in the UAE especially, they have the religious police. They also have them in Iran. And what they do is they basically go around and they're religious police. And they're, 
making sure that your dress is long enough, that you're covered up, these, all these different things that in their culture is the way they do business. You don't go over there and tell them how they're gonna do business. Many Americans have gone over there and found out that they thought that it was okay to do whatever they were gonna do, and in short order, they were schooled on the philosophy of you don't tell another country how to run its country. But in America here, we've lost a lot of that fear, but the things though that tonight driving home Unless you know someone, what are you going to do if it says 45 miles an hour and you decide that you want to do 60? Are you going to do it without a fear? No, you're going to have an anxious and anxiety, maybe not fear, but you're going to know that there's a potential that you're going to get caught. And the fear, though, that, I'm going to, that we're talking about here when the blessings of God for those that fear the Lord, why do we fear God and why would we want to fear God? Well, I'm going to tell you the reason, and I'll quote it, the human first. I was fear, I feared Judy and Tom Osterhaus growing up. I feared Judy more than I did Tom, because Judy was a beltsmith. She was schooled in the art of spanking, and she literally, there was zero tolerance, and there was even for my dad, but my dad was working more, and he, it was more left up to my mother. But I had a fear of my parents, and the reason I did was that if my parents caught me doing something, I had a divine expectation of the rudimentary art of correction coming to roost if I stepped outside of the bounds of what they said was acceptable behavior. I had a fear knowing that if I was caught doing what I did, they were going to follow through with what they said. I am very thankful for that. Because as an adult, I have a divine expectation of understanding that God is much better than my parents are in doing what he says he's going to do. And one of the things about God is when God says something, he means it. God's not playing games. God's holiness, his righteousness, and there's a lot of things in the Bible, I'm just going to be honest with you, can promote some great fear in us. The fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, Scripture says. Why would that be? Again, because God means business. There is no standard of warping what God says his standard of salvation is. There's no extension in us not believing what it says and, oh, it's going to be okay just because I don't like what it says. Uh, we, we kind of referenced that this morning. doesn't matter. God never asked me what I think of anything. As a matter of fact, not only has he not asked me He's probably not asked any of you, and this is what I can assure you. He's not going to come down tomorrow and say, what do you think of my, my word? Do you think that it, what, what, what do you not like about it? God's not going to do that because God's standard is built in the person of who he is and his character. When God says, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't bear false witness, did God sit around, you know, as people think, you know, in the holy chair of righteousness and go, you know, let's see. Um, I, not steal. That's a good one. We'll write that down. No. You know where those came from? Ready? God's character. Do you realize that everything that is off limits to us as people is a manifestation of the character of God? Because God is holy, therefore you do not commit adultery. Because God is holy and righteous, therefore you don't bear false witness. Isn't that interesting? So it's built on the character of who God is, and as a follower of Christ, as his creation, 
the things that God says no to are to protect us from violating the holiness of God. And it's, it's profound. It's, and, and then tonight, though, again, the message is the fruit of the faithful. We're going to look again at these six verses tonight and actually go to the place, and I, again, I reference this quite often, the place that we find happiness, fulfillment as followers of Christ. It's never in said acts, right? Meaning, I'm going to go out and buy myself a new house, and uh, I, I have a, this, uh, this new girlfriend you know, for your young people, right? I've got this new job, and oh, I'm, I'm happy now. No, our happiness is, we're going to see, in the context of God's plan and desire for our life is where we find that fulfillment. It is only found in that, though. It's never found outside of it. So when Adam and Eve ate the fruit, though the enemy said, you will find fulfillment in this, when Ananias and Sapphira thought, you know what, we'll keep this money back, we will find fulfillment in this, they never did. When Samson said, you know, I'm going to find these women that are not followers or lovers of God, and I'll find fulfillment in that, they never did. And when Korah decided that he was going to rebel, Korah's rebellion, he never found it. And everywhere in Scripture, anybody who ever stepped outside of the confines of the blessing, the framework of God's blessing, which you and I can see clearly because we have God's Word, in the clear foundational manifestation and the framework of what God has established for us, we will never find fulfillment in anything other than the framework with which God's Word lays out for us to find I hope you found Psalm 128, again, verses 1 through 6. And if you're able physically, let's stand tonight out of reverence for the reading of God's Word. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in His ways. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy, and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house, your children like young olive trees around your table. In this very way, the man who fears the Lord will be blessed. May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life, and you will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. Father, thank you, Lord, for the promises of your word. God, I thank you, Lord, tonight as your word speaks, that you would speak to the deepest, the innermost battle struggles, Lord, the blessings of you and anything in between. Father, I pray that your spirit would have full and free reign in this midst to do what only you can do. And we commit it to you and we ask this in the name above all names, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I love this. Listen, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. Again, so... You put fear and happy in the same sentence. It almost seems like a conundrum, doesn't it? Fear and happy. How in the world could somebody be happy in a state of fear? Well, it says it right there. Happy is everyone who fears the Lord. Qualifier, who walks in his ways. So, someone who fears the Lord and walks in his ways is going to be someone in complete harmony and in fellowship with the Lord. If you're out running off on your family, let's say you're traveling, you know, I've heard, heard these stories of airplane pilots. I've known people who've tried this. It doesn't work well. You want to go run around on your family because you travel and it's really easy to hide. 
I know people who've had families in different states. I knew someone personally, I did not know this at the time, but who passed away in the last few years, who upon death, it came out that they had another family and an, another child, and they had been supporting this other family, and it was just a, it's just a big mess. When you're living like that, what do you have to live? You live the truth? You're living a lie. You're living a lie because what you're trying to do is live something that God's word does not give you the freedom to do. So therefore, because God's word has not given you the freedom to do that, what you've done is you're living something that's outside of the context of God's word, God's truth. That doesn't bring freedom, does it? That doesn't bring freedom. That, does bring, that brings you fear. But is that a godly fear? No, it's a fear of being caught. What does Scripture say? Godly sorrow leads to repentance. Worldly sorrow leads to death. So the godly sorrow that would bring someone who was living this total facade of a life from everybody, running halfway across the country, living this total duplicitous life, that would not bring a fulfillment as it would when you're living the truth. When you're living the truth, what do you have to remember? How many stories? Just one. When you have to remember more than one story, what happens? That's why lying, by the way, it's the law of diminishing returns because then you have to remember way too much. And by the way, the older you get, the harder it is. Because the older you get, the less you can remember. And the next thing you know, you are completely blown out of the water because your actions have caused you to come to a place because your mind can't keep up with the lies and you ultimately live in a state of absolute and complete misery. But number one I want to share with you tonight out of that first verse is this. Happiness is the fruit of walking in the fear of the Lord. Happiness is the fruit of walking in the fear of the Lord. How happy is everyone who fears the Lord who walks in his ways. And I want to share verse 2 and 3. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy and it will go well for you. Your wife will be like a fruitful vine within your house. Your children like young olive trees around your table. I want to focus first on verse 2. You will surely eat what your hands have worked for. You will be happy and it will go well for you. Anybody know that there's scripture? I know in Proverbs, I remember those ones in Proverbs. They talk about how you won't even eat when, you, when you're messing around and you're living in sin. Hey, God won't even let you enjoy the fruit of your labor. God won't let you enjoy the blessing. Think about Ananias and Sapphira and how they had what? They lied to the Holy Spirit. They lied to God. God did not let them enjoy the fruit of the labor of selling that piece of land that was rightfully theirs. There wasn't an issue with the fact that they sold the land. The only issue came in when they came and presented what they did and said, hey, we sold all this and we wanted to give it to the church, yet they had held some back. They could have done that. There was nothing wrong with that. The only problem was that they represented it as all of it. They lied to the Holy Spirit of God, and that was where the issue came in. The second thing I want to share with you tonight is this. When a home honors the Lord, God blesses the house with peace. When a home honors the Lord... When a home is living in conflict, what is that? Is it peace? Is the blessing of God? What does the scripture say? Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. The Bible says that. 
Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is peace. That's one of the manifestations of God's blessing is that there is peace. Is your home a place of peace? Does that mean that all your kids are going to behave all the time? We live in a, I call it a um, organized chaos. You can't have 12, 13, whatever people we have at the house and not live in a state of chaos. It's organized chaos, though. We all sit at the breakfast table. In the morning. Every single one of us at the house sits at the breakfast table on Mondays, Tuesdays, I think it's 6 a.m., 6.15, and the rest of the week. But it's, it's, it's peace, though. You know, yes, is everybody doing, no, everybody's not doing the right thing all the time, but we have peace. If not, I wouldn't be at the table. I wouldn't allow myself to be at the table because I can't take that level of, of uh, mental stress and struggle before you leave to go out into your daily life. But where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's peace. And that's the beauty of it. When a home honors God, God blesses the house with peace. God will give you the fruit of the mental mindset of your spiritual walk if you live at odds, if you have, uh, you and your spouse are at odds, are you at peace? Mm -mm. Do you want to sit down and eat with somebody when you're not at peace with them? Mm -mm. I would encourage all of you, be at peace with those people in your home. Purposely choose to eat breakfast if you can do it, lunch and dinner together. It is an act of unity together. We do that on purpose. We, we eat together on purpose because it's something that we can do. By the way, uh -uh, only unless there's an emergency, them phones are a no-go at my table. They will tell you, I'll say something to my own wife about it. Uh, what's going on? Why don't you put your phone down? We're, we're spending family time right now. Oh, I was, um, it can happen to anybody. But it's a very important thing. You have to create and encourage the bond of communication, the bond of fellowship together. And when that home, though, honors the Lord, God blesses that house with peace. And that's the question. Is your home a place of peace? Is your home a place of joy? Is this right now the blessings of those who what? Fear the Lord. Why do we have family together? Is it easy to have breakfast together? No, it actually would be much easier for the adults to eat together and then allow the children to eat together. Because if there's ever conflict, where does it come from? I'll give you two guesses, and the first one doesn't count. The littles. The children always bring the drama in there. Yes, it'd be easier to disinvite them from the fellowship, but how are they ever going to learn how to have normal family fellowship time if they're not able to go there and to learn that? So it's super important. When a home honors the Lord, God will bless the home with peace, but also what you're doing is training up the next generation, showing them what's important. I disdain phones. I can't stand them. I'm telling you, I don't, I, the, the more I'm around phones, the more I'm around, it is, I'm gonna be one of those old people that people literally can't, somebody pulls out a phone, I'm watching these kids these days. I saw a group of them the other day, and every one of them was sitting there. I saw a family yesterday at a restaurant Sitting at the restaurant, mom and dad were sitting in a booth, and son and daughter, they couldn't have been over eight or nine max years old, and those kids walked up, sat down in that booth, pulled that phone up, and did this the entire time. You know why they did it? Mom and dad have cultivated an atmosphere where that's normal. Hey, whip out your phone. There's no reason to have FaceTime here. Let's get on the FaceTime and we'll, we'll do whatever we want to do now. But what I'm saying is you think about it, the separation that is bred in a home by allowing that. 
But people now don't even understand. Culturally, it's become so normal that I watched a group of children at a school, after school, standing outside, and what are they doing? Every single one of them are standing in a circle like normally when I was a child, you'd be cutting jokes with one another, talking a bunch of old foolishness together. They were all sitting there in front of each other, and I actually made a comment. I said, who are you talking to, y'all? They said, we're talking to each other. I said, why don't you put your phones away and talk to each other? They said, we talk like this. Maybe they're so worried about the litigiousness of our society that they want the conversation documented in case they get sued. You think that's the problem? That's a good thought, right? Trying to defend them a little bit. But it's sad, though, because that's what happens. And if you think about all the attacks that Satan have, I can go all the way back to the 80s when my father said that he believed the actual issue of homosexuality would be the ultimate destructive means with which our society becomes starting becomes unraveled how prophetic my dad saying that to his bible class at westminster bible uh, westminster christian school back in 1979 i think he said 78 was the first time he ever said it but as that began to go and you watch what the attack was the systematic attack first of all on the sanctity of life 1974 roe versus wade we watched the sanctity of life attacked in that respect then we watch this unraveling of our families, right? We watch the undoing these single parent homes. We watch the total fabric unwind with our families. Then we watch what? The attack on husbands and wives and the sanctity of, of the bond of marriage that God had established in the Garden of Eden. And we watch now as that is unfurled, right? You got the marriage, you've got the sanctity of life. Now, we are dealing with a young boy or a young girl who's not able to have the definition of the, the very person of God's creation in male and female. So now the enemy has even resorted to attacking every single, I could go through each one of them. I wish we had the time to do it tonight. I would. I need to do it on a Sunday. But you go through and watch systematically the rainbow and how the attack on the covenantal promise of God and the picture of the rainbow hijacked for something egregious and destructive to the family unit that God had blessed us with, the promises of God. And then we attack young boys and young girls, not allowing them to be defined what God has created them to be. Because you have, ready? No, de no definition. You have zero, zero purpose. There is no engineering plan on your life. You are nothing. And by the way, there's no God. There's no Bible. There's no forgiveness. There's nothing. Eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die. By the way, have a great life. You wonder why suicide is at epidemic levels right now? Because if you're a young boy or a young girl in our school system right now, it is completely unhinged if you're in the public school system. It's not systemic yet. It's not all the way across the board. But in many places right now, teachers cannot speak the truth. They have to be very careful. They can't pray in Jesus' name. Yes, there's pockets of ones that are still able to do that, but I promise you, it is slowly eroding away. And it is only a matter of time before it will become criminal to do any proselytizing with our children. 
It's just a matter of time. They can't get children's behavior under control right now. Someone was sharing with me recently that they were outside of a school and there was a young girl who didn't like whatever they'd asked her to do and she was down on the ground throwing a fit, literally kicking the ground. This is an eight or nine or 10 year old girl kicking and beating the ground, the SRO, and they couldn't do anything. They had to stand there and they were continuing to repeat what they wanted this child to do, but the child was basically telling them to go take a fly and leap. Then my question is, how when that child comes in here do we transition into the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom at 13, 14, 15 years old. What is fear? What is punishment? Now do you understand why I'm so thankful that Tom and Judy Osterhaus, my mom's greatest regret is that she didn't whip me more? She actually said, though, there were some days she thought the only thing she did was whip me from sunup till sundown, and she said, I still wish I'd have whipped you more. You know how thankful I am? I'm not wounded. I'm not broken. I'm not needing the couch to sit down on and tell them about how my mom's continual whippings, and man, sometimes she wore me out. I'm thankful for those because I knew what it was to submit to a holy and righteous God whose standard is absolute. And I'm so thankful for that tonight because what it's done is it's, it laid the foundational groundwork for peace, for joy, and for true fulfillment and be happy in the Lord. So thankful for that tonight. So when a home honors the Lord God, he blesses that house of peace. And then verses five and six May the Lord bless you from Zion so that you will see the prosperity of Jerusalem all the days of your life and you will see your children's children. Peace be with Israel. Now this is speaking to Israel, but when you got covenantal promises, when you have promises in God's word, you gotta ultimately step back. Who's God talking to? What we know from scripture is these actually can be applied to us. Even though we are born again followers of Jesus Christ, the Gentiles, these are transitional blessings that you know, the fear of the Lord, these transition over here, that the peace of God, the happiness of God, even though he's speaking to Israel in this. But again, on that verse six, hey, you will see your children's children. Third and final thing I want to share with you, a life lived for Christ is a blessed life. What is the one scripture we know about that, that promises us long life? Honor your father and mother that what? Your days may be long on the earth. I'm a little concerned for our future generations. Amen? If that's the promise that gives you long life, oh Lord, we're in trouble. <laughs> Anybody else seeing that play out? Anybody else get on mobile patrol? Anybody know what mobile patrol is? Nobody? Get on, get on your phone, go into the app store and put in mobile patrol free. And every morning, do what I do. I get on mobile patrol and I click Bedford County and I click inmates. And every morning I get a fresh representation of, of our fellow citizens who have defied the laws of the land. And then I click Franklin County, and I click Lincoln County, and I click Marshall County, and then I click Rutherford County. 
I want to know, I want the pulse of our community. You're going to be a little bothered. We've got AFib spiritually going on in our community. It tells what they got arrested for. It shows a little picture of them. And the pictures speak volumes. It's not showing the fruit of the faithful. It's showing that we have an epidemic of criminal behavior going on. And it's heartbreaking. Because what it does, it speaks to me of the mission field that we have been placed in. And that when many years ago, it was 78, at that point, percent of Bedford County citizens on any given Sunday are not in church, there's a lot of work that needs to be done. Amen? We got a whole lot of work that needs to be done. But see, a life lived for Christ is a blessed life. But the people that we'll see in Mobile Patrol on any given Sunday are our mission field. These are people that live next to us. They work with you. These are people that are just normal citizens that don't know what you and I know. And they need to. And if anything else, as you can do what I do, as I pray, as I'm reading those names and looking through those people and seeing what has gone on in our community in the last 24 hours, you can go all the way back for months. You can spend your next two days looking at them all over the place. You actually might be quite surprised at people you know that on any given day have gone to the Crossbar Motel. That is not God's plan for us. It's God's plan for us if what? We suffer for righteousness. That's the only time in Scripture or we're falsely accused of something. That's when Scripture says, consider yourself blessed. But when you go out there and you act like a fool and you go to jail because you've been foolish, you have gotten the just rewards for your behavior. That's merely what Scripture says, paraphrasing. So tonight, I want my life to be the fruit of the faithful. I want to be what God has created me to be. I want to fit within the context of the, the framework of God's desire for my life. And that is found in being one that submits to the Lord, having the fear of the Lord, and the continual reminder that God cannot be mocked. I don't want God to have to make me a byword. I don't want God to have to make me a cautionary tale, as I, I reference quite often, because that requires great pain, heartache, hurt, but also it potentially brings great dishonor and disgrace on the name of the Lord. That's why I say it's very important that we live the testament, live who you are. If you're having a rough day and you're not doing well, you know, I said to somebody earlier, it would not behoove someone to make a joke about my daughter-in-law. I'm gonna share with you the, the sincerity of my struggle or battle right now. It would not behoove anybody to say something off the cuff to me right now about my daughter-in-law who's not here anymore. It would not behoove you to insult my son right now. It would be, I'm just going to tell you, downright foolish. Why? Because I can't guarantee you how I'd respond. And I'm just being honest with you. I might respond in a really bad way. And I might need to go take a two or three month sabbatical and get a checkup from the neck up and have a, a reunification process that would result because there's certain things that you have to stay away from, right? And I realize that those are limitations that I recognize in situations that I have to remain separated from because it's been a rough year. If anybody thinks that this person's healed, you've lost your mind. 
there's a whole lot more that has to be dealt with. There's a whole lot of pain, a whole lot of hurt, and it's gonna, it's gonna starting now is when it really starts to amp up because John came back just a little, just a couple weeks ago, a year ago from being deployed, and we had the excitement of Thanksgiving coming and the excitement of Christmas, and I, all the pictures today as I went through my phone and started seeing those pictures of all the things that we did last Thanksgiving, gonna be a lot of memories that we have to work through, that I have to work through. I know my son will too, and the rest of our family will have to work through those. But we've gotta be very cognizant of the dangers of even the weaknesses that we have. Anybody stay cognizant in your own self of things that you should stay away from, things that you don't need to be near? Anybody besides me? Yeah. Certain things that you, if you have a person that you know is very hurtful or very crass in their language with you and you don't do well with those type people, would you go, you know, I'm just going to go and get around them and just see what happens? No, you'd be foolish, wouldn't you? You have to sometimes go, you know, it's probably not wise for me to spend much time with them or maybe I need to have somebody else when I go because I don't know how right now as God's growing me that I may respond and, and I want God's blessing. I want to be happy in the Lord and, and I have this fear of the Lord and I recognize that it's really easy to take my place from a place of blessing to a place of God's judgment. Matter of fact, you'd be astounded at how close those two places are. You think about someone who has defied the living God, who's living in complete and direct disobedience to the Lord, and you walk up to him, and you start saying, boy, who do you think you are? Man, God's going to get you. What's your problem? What have you done? Have you taken yourself from a place of blessing to greater blessing? No. What you did is you didn't take heed when you thought you stood, lest you fell. You walked smack into a big, huge boulder, and you just fell face first into the middle of it. Because in the prideful arrogance of ourself, we forgot that we are to pray blessings on them. No, can we get upset when someone hurts you? Absolutely. There's nothing. The Bible says in your what? Don't sin. In your anger. You can be angry at what someone does, but you also need to be compassionate and scripturally recognize when you come back down to earth, wait a minute, this is my mission field. I've got to be careful. and I myself have to do the same thing. And I'm thankful, though, that God is really good and God's really gracious and he's merciful. And a lot of times God gives me the four-letter word, P-I-M-E, time. Don't deal with those things on the moment, right? When something's bothering you, whether it's with your spouse or everything, do you want to take yourself from being happy in that person who fears the Lord and walks in his ways out of that? No, hope not. So what does it require? It requires sometimes if somebody says something to you or you want to say something to your wife or ladies say something to your husband when they have been foolish and they have spoken off the cuff, instead of responding right then, what's the best thing to do? Crawfish. What does a crawfish do? They back out gracefully. Just bow out. Get away. Go find your happy space. Go out in the woods. Get yourself in the sunshine. Do a checkup from the neck up. Reevaluate how you respond to the situation so that you respond in a biblical and a godly way that will reinforce 
the blessing of God. And therefore, in the reinforcement of the blessing of God, what do we got? Verse 1, how happy is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways, because the reason you did what you did is because of your fear from God, your desire to hold on to God's blessing, so you backed out so that you wouldn't say or do something you shouldn't have done. God presented you with a situation and gave you the option to get out of it and thank the Lord. Many times God won't allow those situations to manifest themselves right in front of us. He will at times. And it's at those times that you have cultivated backing out, doing and saying the right thing that will reinforce what happens when you're face-to-face -face with some of those things at times that you could make very terrible decisions that cause pain, heartache, and hurt. And ultimately, even with our children, do you want to see the blessing of your children's children? If we're not walking in the counsel of the godly, when we're standing in the way of sinners, when we're sitting at the seat of mockers, we don't delight in his law, and on his law we don't meditate day and night. So those are the things we have to continually reiterate. Same with Colossians chapter 3. If we have been risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set those affections on things above, not on the things of the earth. For we are dead and our life is hid with Christ in God. It is a continual reminder of the frailty of the human condition, the finite nature with which we are bound in, but yet we are yoked to an infinite God with which the power of the Holy Spirit that indwells us, the convicting, the leading, the guiding, the directing. Again, especially, and I know God has done this on purpose. He allowed me to have Mondays and Tuesdays working. How difficult it is coming on the heels of Sunday so tired and I'm worn out and when I go home the limited amount of sleep I have then to get up and be there at 6.45 in the morning but yet I've been so cognizant of making sure that the manifestation of the joy of the Lord is paramount paramount how long? over 12 hours a day for two days I have to why? because I am a sermon in shoes as that old song says. And I realize if for a moment I allow my carnal nature and the frustrations of the interman, whether it be from sleep deprivation, whether it be from pain, or whether it be to allow the selfish nature with which wants to rise up in all of us to take, even if a moment center stage can destroy what is now going on six months of a solid sold out testimony with which God is using to minister to people. And I realize that these momentary trials and tribulations are giving way, as what I said this morning, the eternal glory of being in the presence of the Lord, removed from the pain, the heartache, the hurt, no more cancers, no more loss, no more brokenness. The old order is gonna be gone. And that's what I have to do. I have to set my affections on things above not on the things of the earth. For I have died and been risen with Christ in God. And that is a continual process. All day long, especially on the difficult days. What does God do? He gives you breaks. Even if not physical breaks, he gives the mental breaks in keeping me with a focus and a clarity that I know is not of myself. It is the power of God that sustains me under unsustainable situations and circumstances. And when I think, you know, Lord, I don't know if I can make it today, the reminder of those who've come before me and those who most notably my Savior, 
who died on the cross, can I not even for another six hours, if you're halfway through a ship, manifest the glory of Christ, realizing that the suffering and sacrifice of our Savior, what I am enduring pales in comparison to three minutes of the suffering he endured for me on the cross. And that's what I do is try to continually remain in, in a perspective, looking at what I'm enduring versus the glory of the Savior that died for me, that suffered for me. And I hope that encourages you tonight to recognize that that fruit of the faithful is a fruit that many times is hard-earned, meaning it costs, it's tough. It's not easy to be on time, and I have a, I have a thing that I do. I don't just be on time. I'm there early. Am I there early just because I don't have anything to do? No, I leave breakfast early every single Monday and Tuesday because I dare not want to stain my testimony by in any way ever showing up late because it's a reflection of my testimony and who I am. And I mean that. People are like, oh, come on, that's, that's, that's far-reaching. No, it's not. The world is watching everything we do. Everything. They are measuring, they are watching, and they are, are the cause of Christ is either being affirmed in the lives that we live or we are invalidating the very message we proclaim in word and action by the compromise we allow to take root and be manifested in our life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for tonight, for your word. God, thank you for the fruit of the... Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you you feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. If today you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.